This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 173 of Hibbley Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. And it's Sunday. Yeah. Not when we're recording, it's only Saturday. This but it sure true. seems like Thanksgiving, because we got like four Thanksgivings all coming up yeah. in the next two weeks. <laughs> the, uh, the, the joy of having a huge family. Mm-hmm. Tonight, obviously, we're going to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you're in, especially if you're from the U.S., the uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I know a lot of you are going to be away from your families, and uh, we're sorry about that, but just know that we're thinking of you. Absolutely. You guys keeping us safe, and we're praying every day for you guys, and hopefully you'll get a nice Thanksgiving meal. Yes, I'm sure the U.S. government will yeah. take care of you. You should, as they should. Okay, we. Um, I want to get this out early because normally we, we put it these shout-outs and stuff. But Jen Larson wanted us to wish her sister Katie a very happy birthday. Her birthday is the 17th, which is the same day this is coming out. Yeah, happy birthday, Katie. Yep, happy birthday, Katie. you got Woo-hoo. a wonderful big sister who was looking out for you. Oh, yeah, it was very nice, honey. I hope you have a wonderful birthday. Now we're going to go into the... Um, you know, the situation of it's it's that time of the year, and we've been saying this for a couple of weeks, but it, it just bears repeating. It's that time of the year where it's tough on a lot of people. They've lost family members. Uh, Tracy's going through that same situation as the first Thanksgiving without her father. Uh, we're going to be doing that actually early tomorrow. So that's I'm sure it's going to be a very emotional day. And we know that she's not the only person that's going through some struggles uh, right now this time of year so we just want everybody to know that we're thinking about you and it's important for everyone to know that we love you yeah we do love you very much and if you want to hear it in person feel free to pick up the phone and call or text us or send us a message on facebook or twitter or anything else we've got because we will take the time to let you know that you're important to us even yeah, if we've never course. met even if we've never talked you're important to us absolutely so, and I know, you know, if we're saying that and we haven't met you, trust me when I tell you your friends and family feel a hundred times more than that. Mm-hmm. Don't ever feel like that you mean nothing to your friends or family because you're 100% wrong. I promise you that. Yes. So reach out if you need to talk to any of us. You can reach out to our Facebook group. You can reach out to uh, the suicide hotline in the United States, one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. If you're more of a texter, seven four one seven four one, and we can uh, get you some some company if you're in need of company. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't say this very often, but we have a UFO story tonight. <laughs> it's more of a UFO abduction story, and and 
if you had a chance to listen to the Patreon episode, I kind of shared that, you know, we were doing actually a, a couple for Patreon. Uh-huh. And we're doing a couple for this one. So if you're a UFO freak, you got you three or four episodes here back to back. Sounds good to me. If you're not, then you don't have to worry about listening for probably another 10 months. Because we probably won't do another <laughs> one anytime soon. When it comes to the UFO stuff, though, as I've said before, it's not my biggest fascination. But sometimes... I see a story that just does kind of fascinate me. And then when I do, those are the ones I kind of share. And we've got two of them for you tonight. It's so weird that that doesn't fascinate you. I don't know what fascinates me, to be honest with you. Or not that I don't know what does, but why. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I I think I mentioned on the Patreon episode. You know, I've mentioned that I'm not really fascinated with Bigfoot or cryptids. And I'm not really fascinated with UFOs, and it's because I believe in both of them, so I don't, I don't see it being fascinating. But then again... I was going to say, if you run up on one, I bet it fascinates your butt. Well, but I mean, but that whole theory goes out the window when, when you realize that I'm fascinated with ghosts and stuff, and I believe in them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there really is no reason why I should be more fascinated with one than the uh, other. Because, I just think you need a good anal probe. Hmm. That bet probably piqued your interest. Uh, it peaked something. It wouldn't interest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't think if we got up for him's uh, commercial tonight. So. <laughs> Are you going to include an alien in it? I might. You don't know. <laughs> they like you to be original. Yeah, so. that's true. Okay. The first incident we're going to talk about tonight, fittingly, is called the Falcon Lake Incident. Tonight's story took place in Manitoba, Canada in 1967. This is one of those pretty well-known accounts. Now, when I say pretty well-known, I mean, if you are really into UFOs, you probably know the story. Mm-hmm. But for me, I didn't really know you it had no because clue. it's mm-hmm. not something that I just actively seek out. So I ran across it. Most will say that this is the most documented UFO case in all of Canada. Wow. That says a lot. Now, the star of tonight's show is a gentleman by the name of Stefan Michelak. Okay. Actually, it's Michelak. Okay. I believe. I've heard it both ways. So if I said the name wrong and you, you had that same last name, I apologize. But I saw Michelak and Michelak, so I'm going to go with Michelak. He was a 51-year-old man. He was originally from Poland. He had moved to Canada, and he was an industrial mechanic. He had this huge fascination with geology, though, so he spent a lot of his spare time out searching for silver and quartz. Not quartz of silver. No, oh, I get you. Want to make sure. So this is what brought him to Falcon Lake on this specific weekend. He had some luck in previous years, and he staked a few claims out there. And on, this was a long weekend in Canada, so I guess they had a holiday. So on May 19th, he actually checked into this little motel. Right there uh, in the the vicinity. On May 20th, he was at the lake near this, you know, quartz mine that was going on. I guess I should say not a mine, but a vein, a quartz vein. Mm -hmm. He saw a gaggle of geese suddenly just fly right into the air and they all started honking and stuff like that. And it scared the crap out of him. Yeah. Basically. They're pretty loud, actually. Yeah. He... Looks up, he sees two cigar-shaped objects in the sky about 50 feet away from him. Not very far at all. Ninja's impressed. 
They said then one of the objects starts coming down and it lands on a on kind of a flat rock and the other UFO we'll call it just kind of stayed up in the air. So the craft that landed now looked a little different to him. It looked more like a disc shaped object. And about this time the other disc object in the air just decided to fly off. So now you only got the one. He was still kind of hidden though. He was behind some trees and stuff. So he saw this thing land, but he wasn't thinking that this thing saw him at all. Uh-huh. He thought it was some kind of US experimental aircraft. He didn't think for a minute that it was a UFO yeah. or alien or anything like that. He said he spent about the next 30 minutes just kind of sketching what he saw on a on a pad of paper that he had. He decided after he got through sketching this and, and spending that time that he wanted to go up to it and see what was going on. What he says stood out most, though, was that as you got closer, you could feel warm air blowing towards you. Like, a, a you know, almost like it was a heater or something blowing your direction coming off of the ship. He said also that you could smell sulfur in the air as you got closer. So this is different than most UFO encounters, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, where he he says you could actually hear the whirling sound of the motor and hear the hissing of air. Because, you know, every other story I've ever seen or heard basically says there's no sound whatsoever. That's what they always talk about. It was how you got this giant craft and there's no sound at all, though, coming from it. He said you could also hear voices, but he couldn't understand what they were saying because the that sound of this hum or this uh, whirling sound coming from the engines kind of muffled it out a little bit. We was telling you he was a mechanic, you know, originally uh, at the beginning of the story that that's what he does for a trade. He thought maybe there might be some kind of uh, problem with the ship. Maybe it landed because it was, you know, mechanical problem right. or something. So he decided he wanted to help, so he yelled into the direction of the ship that he was a mechanic and could help if they needed some mechanical assistance. The voices that he had been hearing just stopped. They didn't answer back at all. So he asked again in Polish. No answer. He then tried asking again in German and then in Russian, but he got no answer back on either one. So he decided to get a little bit closer and take a little, little better look. He said the he, one thing that immediately stood out to him is the metal on the ship was incredibly smooth and there were no seams like where, oh. where it would be put together. It was like it yeah, was one continuous weird. round piece of metal or, or whatever. He also noticed that there was an open door that had some bright light coming from it. Now, it was it was a white light. It's not like the stairs, right? Or mm-hmm. No. No, it was just like then. Um, he said it was just like a rectangular opening in the ship. Hmm. Now he always carried a pair of welding goggles with him when he when he was prospecting out there. So if he was chipping away at stone or something like that with his pick, that it would protect his eyes. Oh, yeah, well, that's so good. That's, he just happened to carry those. So obviously, if you know anything about welding equipment, yeah, the welding you have to goggles pr- yeah. are, are to, you can stare into bright lights mm-hmm. for that. That's what they're designed to do. He decides to put them on, and he starts looking into inside the door. 
Now, he's not like up at the door, but he's close enough where he can kind of see Kind of peek around. He said that there there were all kinds of different light beams inside, different panels that, are, that consisted of, of various colored flashing lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. He said that it was one of the more amazing things that he had seen, but he really couldn't tell what it was. All he could see was flashing lights, flashing colored lights, beams of light. It sounds like there was a rave going on in there. And maybe think, it was George Jetson. Maybe it was George Jetson. That's what we're going to be doing soon, flying around in the sky like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I said it sounds like it, it was a rave going on or something there. And I would I would rather have an anal probe than to sit through a rave at this point in my life. <laughs> he then kind of stepped away. And he said as soon as he did, the door closed. He said it was like three panels that slid straight across, sealing it completely. He said he wanted to touch it, so he reached out and he touched the metal of the ship, and it melted the fingertips and the <gasps> glove that he was wearing. What? Melted it. Dude, he's so lucky he had those gloves on. Well, he's going to wish he had a suit of armor on. Oh, shoot. Because what happens then is the ship turns counterclockwise. And, it, and where it stops at, he notices that there's this panel. And I, we're going to have to post a bunch of pictures of these. Cause mm-hmm. There's some pictures of what he drew and 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 all this. But this is one of the shows where we're, we're going to post some pictures because it will make a lot more sense. He said there was this panel and it had a grid of small little holes on it. Think about, and it's not exactly alike, but I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Think about how a cheese grater would look. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's not exactly like that. Or a waffle iron. Yeah. You, know, you got all the little square syrup yeah. um, traps as Mitch Hedberg calls them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got that. That's trying to paint a picture for you. So he's looking at this thing and it blasts, a blast of air or gas comes straight out of that panel and it hits him and it knocks him back. It sets his shirt and his cap on fire. Holy crap. He was able to take his cap off and he ripped his shirt off. And as he was doing this, this thing flew away. So I guess this was, if I'm understanding it correctly, it was like the exhaust of the ship. Mm-hmm. That, you know, as it propelled itself out. Yeah, the hot it came stuff out, just came like out the engines. Yeah. Would be or something mm-hmm. like that. Stefan made his way through the woods. He was nauseous. He was trying to make it back to the hotel, but he was nauseous. He was wanting to throw up. He he just didn't really have his wits about him. His chest hurt, as you can imagine. He got back to the, the motel, and he catches a bus back to Winnipeg, which is where he lived. Once he got back home, he made a trip to the hospital to get kind of checked out. He had burns on his chest and his stomach. The burns later turned out turned into uh, raised sores that were in a grid pattern, <gasps> much like what we just talked about. With the, but see, these were like more like little. Well, you'll see more. I'm just babbling now because I can't completely describe. Well, it. yeah, it'd be hard. To, I wonder what the doctors were thinking. So well, he suffered from diarrhea and headaches and blackouts and weight loss for weeks after this incident. So Stefan thought about keeping this secret, but you got to realize when he was living in Poland, he was a military policeman. And he said that morally, 
he felt that he was obligated to tell somebody so this didn't happen to somebody else. Mm -hmm. The news traveled really quick, though, because once he said something about it, his family's house was like bombarded by reporters and military and a royal um, Canadian Mounted Police and several government agencies. Everybody wanted to know yeah. what happened to this guy is, that yeah, apparently what's going was blasted on? by a UFO. Stefan's nine-year-old son, Stan, was even followed to school by some of the media and hounded with questions. Ooh. Now, Stan said that the incident flipped their entire lives over. He said there were people camping out on their lawn from this point on. Well, that's ridiculous. Stan said that as a nine-year-old, what he remembers most was seeing his dad in the bedroom. He was sick and he was burned, and he didn't really know what would happen. He said that the smell was absolutely horrible, that it was a, a huge stink as soon as you walked into the room. It was the aroma of sulfur and burnt motor. It was all around and even coming out of his pores. Oh, man. Poor guy. He said, obviously, he was afraid for his father because he didn't know exactly what happened. Well, he just yeah. knows he's seen him like that. So all these agencies, including the U.S. Air Force, came to the conclusion that whatever happened was unexplainable. Nobody had an answer for what this was, what happened. So some of the items, though, that Stefan, you know, was using, like the glove and all that stuff, it was later retrieved from the site. So they, like I said, they got the glove. It did have the melted tips on it. It matched his story exactly. They also got his shirt that had caught fire. It was partially burnt, but more important, it had the gridlock burn marks. Yeah. So they on, had it on, you know, it was scorched under like, if you've ever seen a scorch from like an iron on a white yeah, dress shirt, yeah, yeah. this was like a, uh, this was like an, uh, an undershirt, a tank top yeah. undershirt white. And it had these marks on there, just like if you'd have taken, you know, like I said, a waffle iron and laid the shirt on it and just pressed it until it made a mark. So did they, uh, so they took it all and had it analyzed, I'm sure. Yes. Or did they try to sweep it under the rug? No, they tried to analyze it. And... They said that they were never able to determine what caused the burns. Maybe it was a George Foreman grill. It could be. It could be Michael Scott's foot. It looked exactly like Michael Scott's foot. That's the best example. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the, only the office fans will get that one. Yeah. So the, they're also out there looking for other evidence, and they find this circle that's 15 feet in diameter at this site, and, and all of the vegetation had been burned away underneath of it. Perfect circle was about 15 feet in diameter at the site. And all of the vegetation underneath this circle was completely burned away. There was moss and grass and all kinds of other, you know, vegetation and plants and stuff everywhere outside the circle, but nothing within the this, this circle. So they took some soil samples and then and uh, some other types of dirt and stuff from all around this circle and had it analyzed. Mm -hmm. These samples, as well as Stefan's clothes, showed very high levels of radiation. The burn marks that Stefan had also was consistent with radiation burns. Even as late as one year later, they found a piece of metal and a coin that had melted into the cracks of the rock. So think about this. There was a, a piece of metal and a coin that apparently this ship landed on, and it was so hot that it melted both of these. Wow. 
I, I can't believe this guy even lived. And there's no explanation for that either. Stan, which was his son, obviously, wrote a book about his father's family's experiences in 2017 called When They Appear. Now, he said that the hardest part of all the years and years of people questioning his father's sanity or calling him a liar is what got to him the most. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Stefan was seen by a psychiatrist and was determined to be a person of sound mind and a type of person that would not make up stories, Mm -hmm. according to the psychiatrist. He also said that a year after the incident, he was still suffering from blackouts and the burns would uh, reoccur on his chest. So they would go you mean away. They, and they would come back. They would come back. He even went to the Mayo Clinic up in uh, Minneapolis to get checked out, but there was no luck at all on finding oh, a solution. Oh, how miserable for him! Stan still has a piece of that melted metal that was, uh, you know, they pried from the rock up there. He said it's still radioactive fifty years later. That is, that cannot be true. It is true. Why would Stan lie to us? Oh my gosh. As far as the rest of the items that were recovered that day, believe it or not, most have, uh, oddly enough, disappeared as they were shifted from agency to agency. They've just come up missing over the years. Stan said, if Dad hoaxed this, remember, we're talking about a blue-collar industrial mechanic. If, If he hoaxed this, he was a freaking genius. Well, yeah, and why would... He would want that stuff to appear back on his chest time and time again. Right. Yeah. Stefan Michalak died in 1999. He was 83 years old. And in the 32 years that he was alive after the incident, he never changed anything about his story. He also never said that he thought it was a UFO or that he saw aliens. He always said that he still thought it was an experimental craft from the United States Air Force. Mm-mm. And that's something to have to live with all your life. I'm telling you. So that that's a pretty cool story, for real. I yes, thought. it is a good story. And wait till I post those pictures so you can see them. Interesting. The second story we're going to go, we're, we're going to stay outside of the United States. This one is in the Dandelong Foothills in Victoria, Australia. Good day, mate. <laughs> I just knew it was going to happen. I couldn't help it. This was in August of 1993, and it involves a young lady by the name of Kelly Cahill. Her and her husband and three kids had went to visit a friend's house. They're heading home. It's, I don't know, a little little after midnight. And Kelly notices something over top of the treetops. She says as it gets closer, it looked more like a row of round lights. This will be another one that we'll have to show pictures of to, to fully get. She said it appeared that these lights were more or less like windows. And it was really close to the ground, close enough to the ground that she could see silhouettes in these windows that looked kind of like people. Oh, dang. So think about if you was to look up into a tower. Yeah. Of like an air traffic controller tower or something that had the big windows and it was round and you could see people up there. She's saying that's kind of what she saw. Like other stories that we've heard in the past. She said there was no sound at all coming from the craft. And with a second, it just shot off to the left and was gone. That's amazing how fast they can do that. Yeah. 
so they go on driving, mile or two down the road, and something else happens. This very bright light, she said brighter than the sun, started like just shining right across the road. Right in front of them. And it practically blinded them. It was so bright. And keep in mind, this was nighttime. Mm-hmm. So at this point, she asked her husband, what are we going to do? And he said, I'm just going to keep driving. A few seconds later, the light's gone. Kelly was at ease now, and she's just kind of relaxing. She looks over at her husband and said, what happened? Did I black out? He didn't respond at all. He just kept driving home. Which, if you're a man with a woman who drives beside you in the passenger seat, you know that's your best response at any point in time. Just don't comment and keep driving. (laughs) So they get home and Kelly notices a strange smell. A smell that smells like vomit. Mm. She also has an odd feeling that she's missing something from the ride home. Like maybe there's some kind of memory loss. Mm -hmm. She figures out that from the time that they left her friend's house to get home, it took about an hour longer than it should have taken. And she had no recollection of where this hour went. Later that night, she noticed a triangular mark on her navel area. She had never seen this before, so it had to have happened this day. Mm-hmm. Kelly was really kind of off for the, for the next several weeks. Just Something just didn't seem right to her. Not just emotionally, but physically. In the same time period that we're talking about, she made two trips to the hospital. Once for stomach pain and once for a uterine infection. She was told at the time that this looks like possible signs that she may have had a pregnancy. That, you know, maybe just didn't come to fruition, but something in her... In her uh, woman parts, looked like that she had been through a pregnancy that maybe was terminated early or whatever the situation was. My God, I can't believe she wouldn't remember that. Well, oddly enough, shortly after, she starts to remember more and more of what happened that night. So let's revisit. They saw the lights that turned out to be an actual windows of a craft. Then it took off. Remember that part. Now... This is where, you know, the hour probably went that she was missing before. She remembers now that they saw this object. They stopped the car. Her and her husband get out. They walk towards a fence and they look at this spacecraft. They were also surprised to see that another car stopped as well. The people in that car also got out and started moving towards the craft. Now, this huge ship was right in front of them. Kelly and her husband stood there for about 30 to 45 seconds before this huge black being appeared right in front of the ship. She described it as not black in color, per se, but void of color, almost like a dark shadow. Mm -hmm. She said it was about seven foot tall. Its eyes were large like a fly's eyes, and they were glowing red. She couldn't make out any kind of discernible pictures. And after the initial shock of seeing this this creature or being or whatever it is, 
she suddenly noticed that there were several more behind it. Like an army? Yeah, they were just out in the field, but they were in small groups. Like, mm-hmm. there was a bunch of them, but there was like three or four here, three or four there. They weren't all separate. So one group headed towards Kelly and her husband, and the other one kind of split off and started going towards the other car. They, She said they covered a lot of ground quickly. Like, it was like, in a second, they were like 100 feet closer than what they were. Kelly kind of grasped onto her husband tightly because she felt that these entities, whatever they were, were evil. She felt like she might also pass out at this point, and instead, she screamed to the top of her lungs to leave them alone. Well, at that point, all of these creatures' eyes started glowing red, and they (laughs) all started heading towards them. You're like, yeah, you ain't telling me what to do. (laughs) She said she remembers blacking out at that point after, and only after, like, it felt like a blow to her stomach, and she was just knocked completely backwards. Oh, my gosh. And that was like, it wasn't some, one of these things putting them hand, their hands on her. It was just, as they were coming, it was like something just blew her back. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be sucky for her to be saying, y'all, leave me alone. And then she blacks <laughs> out, and then you don't have a clue what's happening then. Next thing you know, she's in the car. So what about the other people in the other car? There was three people in that car. Jane, Glenda, and Bill. Jane and Glenda are the ones who got out and approached the crowd. Bill stayed in the car. Jane and Glenda and Kelly were all asked to draw pictures of the craft and the aliens by the police. Now, keep in mind, none of these people knew each other. Mm-hmm. And they weren't there together doing it. This was separately yeah. when they were asked to do these things. All three pictures are amazingly similar. <laughs> all three women were also left with triangular marks in their navel area. Jane and Glenda had dots on their inner thighs. E, they probed them in there? You're a uh, probe happy. (laughs) Glenda had a mark all the way around her ankle that looked as though it had been tied down by something. Now, if I can find this picture, I'll post this one too. Picture what it would look like around your ankle if you just tied a string mm-hmm. right around above the ankle area and just so tight that it made a mark and you just took it off. It literally looks like somebody took a Sharpie and just drew a circle completely around it. Well, UFO researchers also found physical evidence in the field that would correspond with what the pictures the women drew. The picture of the crafts kind of looked like Again, I'm trying to explain stuff that I can't explain, but they look like that they were a type of flying saucer shape that you would typically think of, okay? Just like the Jupiter 2 off of Lost in Space. The, but, but instead of like being metal all the way around, it had the roll of lights that went all the way around. Kind of like Wilma Flintstone's necklace. You know, oh, yeah. Kind of like uh-huh. around, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. I love these descriptions. UFO, UFOlogists <laughs> are probably thinking, would this guy please stop doing UFO stories? <laughs> That's how we all understand it, so. But then you've got this blue light that was underneath of it. And it was kind of like rays of blue light, and there was a tripod that was like in the middle of it. And when I say rays of blue life, light, think about like a jellyfish's tentacles. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way the light was. It wasn't like straight down. It was yeah. at an angle. That's cool. Like I said, I'll post pictures of their pictures, and you'll get a better idea. And then you had that tripod-looking thing in the middle. Well, in the grassy field, there were three burn marks that matched up right with the tripod that the ladies actually drew. And and oddly enough, 
Jane and Glenda drew their image of the ship and it had the tripod. But Kelly said she completely missed the tripod. Her oh. picture looked the same, but, but with yeah, the tripod. Yeah, she didn't put that on there. And she said, but it makes sense now that she sees it, but she completely missed it. So Cool. Anyways, that's our stories of a couple of uh, really alien interesting. abduction yeah. stories. I so, think it'd be kind of cool to be abducted, but... I'm all for it. What do we got to do to make that happen? I don't know. Not me. Oh, Just you mean you. me? Oh. Well, you're the one volunteering for it. I'm not oh, volunteering I for it. So. You were really quick to jump on that horse. <laughs> so, all right, guys. I got, uh, we got just a few more minutes left, and Tracy gets to tell you about our Patreons and stuff this week. Okay, I will do that. Okay, guys, our iTunes reviews this week is That Philly Chick 32. Miss Farm Girl, Christopher Robbins, Hertes, Hertes, Huertes, Hertes. I still didn't say it very good. Huertes. <laughs> Sorry, Christopher. Janet from Prescott, RLS 1968-0110, and Ryan Noseworthy. Thank you for your very, very kind reviews, guys. That was awesome. And our Patreons this week is Heidi Z and Paula Johnson. Thank you guys for your support. We appreciate that you do that for us every week. It means a lot to us. And um, just keep those reviews coming. And while we're on the subject of Patreon, I want to remind people that when you sign up for Patreon, it's it's free right off the bat because they don't charge you until the first of the month. So, like, if you was to sign up for Patreon right now, you can basically try it out for two weeks for free. Right. Right. Basically, you can. And... More importantly, we some people always tell us, oh, we hate that you do commercials. You know what? We hate that we do commercials too, but that's how we make a living yeah. at this point in time. And that's what keeps the show going. That's what buys the equipment that we use in the live shows yeah. and, uh, and all that stuff, aside from, you know, your Patreon money also. But all that money, you know, gets poured, a lot of it gets poured back into the show. And gets, as, as we start doing more and more, like now we're doing the second episode a week and all that. And that's all because we're able to not work our day job as much and you know so we depend on that money to be able to live while we keep creating content with that being said some people don't like the commercials and i don't blame them it's you know but we give you an option if you are a patreon supporter even at the dollar a month level so for one dollar a month you get the wednesday episode and you get the Sunday, regular Sunday episode, completely ad-free. Because we post those in there. We just started doing that in the last month or so. But if you don't like the commercials, we post them in there without the commercials. So for a dollar a month, you can completely get away from all the commercials if you want to. Otherwise, they have to be there. You know. Yeah, so, just hang with us, guys. Yeah. And we appreciate that you do that. I mean, I understand because like, I'm watching TV. I thank God for DVR because I forward <laughs> right through those daggone things. But, but just kind of hang with us if you don't mind. And, um, again, we appreciate everything that you all do for us. Absolutely. Live shows. We put the, the tickets on sale. We're getting close to Christmas. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about they make good Christmas gifts. Like, there's 90 seats available for the Pigeon Forge show that's in, when is that show? June, July? I don't know. It's like a long, it's in the summer of next month. We've already sold out nine of the 90 tickets. Ten mm-hmm. percent of the tickets are already sold out. That's amazing. You guys rock. And a bunch of the other shows have sold four, five, six tickets, too. So, you know, we've sold, I think, 
25 tickets or so already in the first couple of weeks they were on sale and none of these shows are any sooner than six months away so that it's incredible and it's a testament to you guys but i promise you this coming year even if you've been to live shows these are going to blow your away we were like i said we're putting money into these shows we're buying stuff where i was out looking at more lighting setups today as a matter of fact to uh, make these things a little more show-like yeah so all right guys we love you and we think about you all the time. We do. We don't always touch ourselves when we do. Tra- Tracy might. <laughs> I don't. I don't because I'm a gentleman. It's the best but- song ever. <laughs> <laughs> but we just want to say uh, a big heartfelt thank you. We got good things happening with the show. And, and every day a little more makes us realize how blessed we are. Yes, we're very blessed. And like we say, it's all because of you all. Absolutely. We love you and have. Um, we hope you all have a blessed week. Are you sick of everybody being so sensitive these days? No matter what you say, everyone gets offended. Then we've got the podcast for you. I'm Jerry. I'm Amanda. And we're the hosts of Warning You Will Be Offended. A podcast with no filter. If you're offended easily, this is not the podcast for you. We can't even talk about most of the topics on this promo. You won't want to miss Amanda's Fact of the Week. Ooh, can I tell them about torso porn? Absolutely not. Can I tell them what color whale poop is? No. So subscribe today to Warning You Will Be Offended. It's pink! Damn it!